Thanks. That was Cindy, right? Thank you, Cindy. Yeah. It's good to see everybody, and uh, again, welcome. Good to have you all here today. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about pressing on toward the goal, coming out of the book of Philippians. Uh, before we do that, I, I did want to mention that last week I was in Tallinn, Estonia. Uh, Tallinn is the capital of Estonia. If you don't know where Estonia is, then as Don said, buy a book. <laughs> and maybe read it, okay, uh, yeah. Um, no, Estonia is uh, it, it's in the Baltic area. It's across from Finland. Helsinki and Tallinn are very close, um, except there's water between uh, the two of them. Uh, I, it was one of these, um, it's very north in latitude, and so uh, the sun didn't actually go down till like 10.30 at night, uh, which was uh, very cool. Uh, but then it uh, came up very early in the morning, which probably isn't so cool. Uh, but um, it was a great time. I was actually teaching at a conference for teachers across Europe. So it was a European Bible teachers conference. And I was very encouraged to see people from all over Europe come and gather to sharpen their teaching skills and to work on this gift of teaching that we all shared in common. And last Sunday, I was actually preaching for the church in Tallinn, which was very encouraging uh, to me. There were probably, I would say, maybe 200 people there. Uh, and uh, it was the first time I'd spoken with a translator standing beside me in a, in a long, long time, probably in five or six years. Um, but that, that was cool to have that experience again. It was also great during the conference to sing songs. I actually didn't sing the songs, but I listened to the songs in both Russian and Ukrainian and Estonian and English. And so that was great. Uh, there were people there from all over Europe, Norway, Sweden, Finland, the Netherlands, Germany, Italy, France, Latvia, Russia, the Ukraine, Scotland, Ireland, England, and many, many other places as well. And so it just gave me a, a, a glimpse of that we are a worldwide fellowship, that we are spread out across Europe, that we have brothers and sisters um, uh, from many, many different places. And Europe is a very secular society, but we have disciples that are faithful to Jesus, uh, doing their best to, to live the life. And so it was very encouraging. I heard that you guys had an encouraging uh, Sunday last Sunday, uh, hearing from camp and uh, having the uh, our, our kids share about their camp experience. And then Ryan McCullough's lesson, I understand it got a little wet uh, during, during his lesson uh, last Sunday. I was trying to figure out a way to top that today. Should I bring a super soaker and just soak everybody uh, this Sunday? If you didn't hear Ryan, he drenched himself with water is my understanding. Uh, and, um, or maybe I should just get out some goo and do like they do on Nickelodeon or that sort of thing. But I also had a wet Sunday last Sunday, uh, but it wasn't from water. I, I was actually, uh, I went to, to the church service to speak and they said, oh, it's, with, it's in walking distance. And they gave me a map on a piece of paper, um, you know? And so, uh, and it, it was totally in Estonian. Every street name was in Estonian and I tried to follow it. And uh, it, it, it's a small little place, but I feel like I circled it about seven times. I felt like I was Joshua. Um, circling the city. And so by the time I finally found uh, the church service, and I left in time to get there about uh, 30 minutes ahead of time, but I got there at five minutes ahead of service uh, because I totally got lost. And um, 
anyway, I was drenched, but not from water. <laughs> and from walking around, yeah, my shirt was like a, a, a maybe shade or two darker uh, than it should have been. But finally, I cooled off and preached the sermon, and everything seemed to go okay in, uh, in the sermon. But my topic for today is pressing on toward the goal, and I'm going to be reading from Philippians uh, chapter 3 in just a minute. But first, I wanted to point out the plants, okay? See the plants? See how much they've grown this summer? If you were here back, I guess we actually started meeting in the late spring, but in the late spring, uh, they were a mess. Um, the, these grasses on the ends, they were barely, barely growing. They were uh, maybe, uh, I think they've grown like three quarters as much as they were at the time. And uh, these uh, hydrangeas were just sticks. That's all they were. Um, but now they, they're, they're growing and they're looking great. And I, I've been using that all summer as just kind of a, a picture of our spiritual lives. Because the plants, they don't really need that much to grow and do well. They need some nourishment from the soil. They need some sunlight. And they need water. And this summer, we've had a lot of water. It's been, it's been a very wet summer. Uh, and beside those things, they need a little bit of time. Because if you'd have, you know, at the beginning, uh, months ago when we saw them, I thought uh, maybe we should just mow them over and start again. Uh, they were really, really puny. Uh, but they needed the time. They needed the time to regroup and to grow, and now they're flourishing. And that's exactly how it is sometimes in our own lives, is that we just need, uh, well, we need the ingredients. We need God's word. We need the grace of God. We need the fellowship from one another. But then we need some time. We need some time to grow. And you, so we can see this even in our own lives. And I think that's part of what Paul is saying in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 14, when he talks about pressing on toward the goal. And I think sometimes we can think about the goal being heaven, and that is partly the goal, but it's not always the goal in Paul's mind. Paul realizes that before we get to heaven, we have a life to live right here, and it's a life that should be lived in Jesus. And so pressing on to the goal can also mean pressing on to become more and more like Christ or to put Christ in our hearts more and more um, as we head toward heaven. And I think that's what Paul really has in mind here and most of the time when he talks about uh, the goal, because the goal can also um, mean a wholeness, being whole in Christ. So um, I want to start here in verse 7, and it'll probably read differently than whatever translation you have, but it says, But whatever was to my gain, I now consider as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I consider everything as loss compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. Because of this, because of Jesus, I consider everything as lost, and I regard everything as trash in order that I may gain Christ, and so that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God through faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, being conformed to be like him in his death. And if so, then somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And then in verse 12, he says, not that I have already received completeness or have already become mature, but I press on so that I may take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not think that I have already taken hold of it, 
But I do this one thing. I forget those things that are in the past and strain toward what the future holds for me. I press on to the goal, toward the goal of the prize of a heavenward call, heavenward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so what does Paul teach us about pressing on toward the goal? Well, there are many things. And I encourage you to go back this week, maybe even on Wednesday, and read this again and look at all the many ways Paul talks about pressing on toward the goal. But this uh, morning, I want to talk about two of them and just focus on two of them. And the first thing to do in pressing on toward the goal is to focus on Jesus. And I heard that this is something that Ryan talked about last week, but it's something that Paul talks about quite often in his writings. And so if you're reading the writings of Paul, you're going to get this over and over and over again because it is so important. In these few verses right here, Paul talks about the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says that I may gain Christ. He says that I may be found in Christ. And then he says, having a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And then he says to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And then he talks about, and to participate in Christ's sufferings and to be conformed to be like Christ in his death. If so, then somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is what some people call the in Christ life, which is a huge part of Paul's writings, living in Christ. Paul knew the importance of focusing on being in Christ. Paul, and sometimes we forget that when Paul, even in his own life, talked about being in Christ, he didn't start out as the Apostle Paul. It took him time. And he himself had to press on toward the goal because there were many obstacles, especially early on in Paul's life. I mean, sometimes we, 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 it's, we forget that Paul, after he, be, after he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and after he was baptized, he didn't immediately go out preaching and teaching. He actually was taken into the Arabian desert and there just grew, just grew and matured, and then later on returns and becomes uh, the missionary that we know and the great apostle Paul. But at first there was this time of growth where he just, uh, it was set aside for him. He didn't even have a choice. And it seems like it was, there were two reasons for it. Number one, uh, people were out to kill him. And so it was, it was for his own protection and his own safety. You go out into the desert and just be there a while. But then secondly, it was for his growth and maturity. And he did grow and mature. And so he spent that time with this in Christ life, focusing on Jesus. And I want to encourage all of us that that is something we need to do to grow. I love to read the Gospels, and I love the stories of the Gospels. And when I read the Gospels, I use my imagination to get into the story itself. I like to think about traveling the dusty roads of Galilee and Judea with Jesus. I like to think about getting some of the dust of the rabbi Jesus on my own clothes. I like to try to imagine his voice when he gives the Sermon on the Mount. I love to uh, try to visualize the times that he heals people. And I like to see him as he relates to his disciples and try to visualize those scenes. 
And so I try to get into the gospel story. But I encourage us not just to get into the gospel story, but to envision Jesus being with us all day long. This is what one monk, called, his name was Brother Lawrence, called practicing the presence of Christ, that we practice keeping Jesus with us all the time. I remember a time when uh, our family was out and we were having uh, a meal with Lee's dad. This was down in North Carolina. And her dad took us out for a meal. Uh, and I remember we sat down at this table in this little restaurant uh, in, in Henderson, North Carolina. And there was an extra seat there. And I remember that uh, Chelsea said, oh, good, we have a seat for Jesus here. And her dad thought that was really funny, you know, and that we have a seat for Jesus. But then Chelsea looked, and in the middle of the table, there was an ashtray. And so she looked, and she said, we need to get rid of that ashtray because Jesus doesn't smoke. <laughs> and he found that even more funny. Um, but it was, a, it was the mindset that Jesus is here. He's here with us. He's here at this table. And we need to have that mindset with us all the time that we take Jesus with us wherever we go. So we enter the story of the Gospels with Jesus, but then when we exit, we bring Jesus along with us. And that is part of the path toward maturity and towards reaching the goal. But then the second thing I wanted to point out about reaching the goal is we need to have this attitude that God is not finished with me yet, that God's not done with me yet. Paul had this attitude, and you can see it in verses 12 through 14. Not that I've already seen the completeness or wholeness and have already become mature. He realized, and this is the great apostle Paul writing. This is later in his life where he's writing to encourage the church in Philippi. But he says, I haven't, I haven't reached it yet. I'm still growing. I'm still working on me. I, I'm still trying to become complete and whole in Christ. I am not mature yet. I mean, that's an amazing thought that Paul is writing this, but that was his attitude. And the fact is, if we are going to reach the goal, we have to keep that attitude fresh in our minds. We have to have this attitude that God's not finished with me yet. I'm not done with this yet. Paul writes, not that I've already attained all this or that I've already arrived at my goal. Paul wasn't where he wanted to be. He wanted to have Jesus in his life more and more. We need to remember that we crawl before we walk. We walk before we run. And we need to start wherever we are. One of my favorite spiritual writers is Thomas Kelly, who wrote the book called A Testament of Devotion. And he writes this. He says, live this present moment, this present hour, as you now sit in your seats in utter submission and openness to him. And then he adds this, learn to say, your will be done. I think that's one of the hardest things to say to God and to just say it with utter submission. God, your will be done. Because we all have a will. We all have something that we want to happen. But it does always coincide with God's will. And we try to match our will to God's will. We need to learn how to surrender. Surrender to God. We need to be open to the nudges of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need to listen for the voice of God in our life. And we need to learn to say, your will be done. 
You know, Saul did not become the Apostle Paul overnight, but instead he worked at it. We need to start where we are and just grow from there. When I studied the martial arts, I would get frustrated because we would learn something in class and I wanted to immediately be good at it. I, we would learn a new kick in class and I would immediately want to have that kick down and have it perfected. But it just doesn't work that way. At least for me, it definitely did not work that way. And so I would talk to my instructor, Sifu Romain, and I would say, ah, I just, I just want to have this. Uh, and he said, like a true Kung Fu person, you know, I would say, how can I get better at this? He wouldn't answer the question. You know, he would just deflect it and he would he would give me some word of wisdom, you know, some some pearl I would have to think about, you know. And so I would say, oh, how can I get better at this? And he, he would look at me and he said, Steve, how do you eat an elephant? And I'm like, dude, that, that doesn't help. What, you, what, in, what does that have to do with me learning a kick? And he would just calm me down. Steve, how do you eat an elephant? And I would say, um, I don't know which is that that's what he was aiming at for me to empty myself to be empty so that I could be filled and I would say I don't know and then he would say what would he say Mike how do you eat an elephant yeah one bite at a time one piece at a time and that's the way it is in in our spiritual lives as well we're, we're not going to devour the whole elephant we're not going to become like Jesus overnight but a little bit at a time, little by little. We crawl before we walk, we walk before we run. And sometimes people um, have an attitude, and I've had this attitude before, you know, I just need to get radical. I just need to do something radical and I will grow just out of sheer radicalability. I made up that word, okay? Just because I'm radical. I will grow. Oh, I am just going to white knuckle it to growth. I'm going to be so radical and everybody will see how radical I am. And so we do these things um, like I'm going to read through my Bible in a month, which is kind of impossible. actually. Um, I'm going to read through the whole thing in a month. And so we just dive into it or I'm going to fast. I'm going to fast for you know, a month. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna fast and fast. Or I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray through the night every night for a week. And we have these. I know. And we have these attitudes that I'm just gonna get so radical. But the thing is that the most radical thing that we can do, any of us, is be consistent on a daily basis. That, that is more radical than trying to read through the Bible in a month. If you make a decision that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, I'm going to do my best to be like Jesus every day, that consistency will lead to growth. More so than if you try to do something radical. Um, the radical act is actually being consistent. It's a decision to live like Jesus every day. Love your spouse every day. Be kind to strangers every day. Find hope in disappointment every day. Love God. Love neighbor. Seek the kingdom first every day. This type of consistency is the most radical life that we can live. Because if one day of living like Jesus leads to 
A week of living like Jesus leads to a month of living like Jesus, leads to a year of living like Jesus, leads to a lifetime of living like Jesus. But it's that choice that today, this day, I will live like Jesus. So start there. Start with just being consistent. And I, I, you know, part of consistency, honestly, is just showing up. It's just being there. And I'm talking about showing up um, and being a part of the community, just showing up and being a part of the fellowship. Um, and I'm talking actually about showing up in person, just showing up in person and saying, hey, here I am. Use me, uh, point me the direction to go, uh, let me fellowship with people, just showing up. You know, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, it's still in the Bible. And it says, and let us consider how to provoke one another on to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The writer is clear. He says, let's not neglect meeting together. Now, this might seem like a suggestion because it says, let us, but actually that's a command. It's a command that he's saying. And he's saying, let us not give up meeting together. And he not only says, and he says also, he says, when you start doing that, it becomes a bad habit. He says, as some are in the habit of doing, and it be, can become habitual to not be at things and can be habitual to not show up. But then he doesn't just stop there. And I appreciate that. He actually says, why? Why do we show up? He says, encouraging one another. We show up to encourage one another. That is part of community. But when we show up and we encourage each other, the thing is, is we get so much out of it. This, there's so many benefits to meeting in person. When we see each other, you know, we, we hug each other. We greet each other. We catch up with each other. When we show up in person, we can have real in-person conversations with each other. We can lift each other up spiritually. We can take communion in community with each other. We can laugh together. We can sing together. We can even cry together. We can serve each other. We can serve our children by being a part of the children's ministry. It's hard to do that if you don't show up. I mean, honestly, it is hard to serve the community if you're not there. It just is. Uh, in order to be here, like, look over there. Look at, look at what's going on. You know, that's a, that's a taste of heaven going on over there. But if you're not here, you can't see that. You can't experience it visually. And you definitely can't be a part of it. And so this is part of the reason we show up. We show up so that we can help set up, so that we can help break down, so we can help take the chairs over there and store the chairs. We store, we, we, we show up because we're part of a community and we all bring something to the community. We show up so that when our friends come, we can reach out to them. But you know, it's really hard, I would think it would be hard to invite somebody to something you're not attending, right? I mean, I would think that'd be a bit difficult for you or me or anyone else to do. Um, but when we're here, we can reach out to people that come that we haven't met before. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So coming out to service is a matter of giving. It's a matter of being part of the community. 
It's a matter of learning to give and not take, to be a giver and not a taker. And we build community by being with each other. And the fact is, everybody has something to give. Some give, you give with your smile. Some, you give with your laughter. Some, you give with your seriousness. Uh, <laughs> some give with warm hugs. Some give with their stories. Some give simply by being present, simply by being there in the community. And some Sundays, I love to just step back. I step back where you're usually sitting over here. I step back during a song, and I just look around, and I see all of your wonderful faces, and I think of my brothers and sisters, and I think about all that we've been through, and it just brings joy to my heart. You know, I think about the good times that we've had, the times where even recently we've, had, we've been through to some baptisms together, and uh, I, I think about some of you and your baptisms, being there when you were baptized, and I think about the hard times. I think about the times where we cried together, the times where we um, have been through, uh, times where we had to talk things out and these kind of things. And yet God has seen us through and God has brought us together as a community. But it's hard to step back and look when you're not present. It's just a difficult thing uh, to do that. And so I want to just encourage us, let's be consistent, but let's be consistent in community. And let's be consistent in showing up. Uh, I look out, I see friends, I see family, and I get refreshed from that. Um, and so, I, yeah, I want to encourage us all to think about, let's just be together. And I, I, I do want to say this. I, I know that some people have medical situations. Uh, even today, there are people that are home that they have medical situations. That's understandable. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in the habit of. Some are in the habit of. When you get in the habit of, and there's not a reason, like a medical reason, then that's sin. I just call it like it is. That goes against the Bible. It goes against the teaching of God, and that's sin. And we need to rise above that. We honestly need to help each other with that. You know, if somebody in that situation, talk to them and just say, I want you to be there. Would love for you to be there. You know, it's amazing to me that sometimes we can forget verses are in the Bible. Or maybe we know in the back of our mind that they are, but we haven't pulled them into our heart. And I think this is one of those verses. I think another verse is Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It's, it's easy, you know, to just put that, kind of put it, push it to the back of your mind instead of pushing it to the front of your heart. You know, what Don shared earlier about Jesus talking to those um, who were, you know, following, you know, and they had good feelings about Jesus, but he says, you know, to be a real believer, you, you got to follow the truth. I mean, Jesus, is, Jesus was that way, just called people to decisions. And how many of us, we know there's a scripture there, and we know the truth of that scripture, but we've just pushed it to the back of our minds, as if it doesn't apply to us, as if it doesn't apply to us as a church, as if it doesn't apply to us as a community together. And I want to encourage us because this is a verse that is there, and it's there, and it's, it's, it's clear what the writer is saying there. And he not only says that 
this is where the breakdown is. You're neglecting the assembly together. It's become a bad habit and you need to change that. Why? Because you need to be there to encourage one another and you need to be there to just be there for each other. Now, I will say this, and I'm going to move on very, very quickly. I think Zoom and screens, they had their place. They were definitely useful during lockdown. And there are times, I've already mentioned, for medical reasons that, you know, honestly, if you're sick, stay home. But I said that long before COVID. Okay. <laughs> In the winter, it's flu season. And I would say, if you get the flu, please stay home. Don't come and affect the rest of us. I remember a brother coming up and coming to church one time, and he was so ill. And I'm not going to say his name. I'm just going to look in this general direction. Oh, 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 oh who could look in this general direction over here? And he, I mean, he was dripping from his eyes, dripping from his nose. Uh, and I was just like, bro, why are you here? And he said, oh, I got to get this done. Got to get this done. I said, no, no, no. Uh, and, you know, I got sick that week. And, yeah, and I'm practicing forgiveness, but, oh, it's so hard. Oh, it's so, so hard. Um, but and so I said this long before COVID. You know, if, if you're sick, stay home. That's for the good of the community. It's for the good of the body doing that. And I know Zoom has its place. Right now I'm teaching a Greek course that spans, it's the New Testament Greek course, it spans 14 time zones, okay? I have a guy taking it in Australia, and he gets on Zoom at 11 o'clock at night. I have a sister who's taking it in San Diego, and she gets on it at 6 o'clock in the morning, okay? So from 6 o'clock in the morning to almost midnight, People in between, and in, in Africa, and in the UK, and and in um, uh, Korea, and other places, they're joining this uh, class. And Zoom is great for that, you know, because I can't be in 14 different time zones. As much as that would be awesome, and I would like that, I can't do that. Uh, and and so it has its place. But I'm just going to ask again: in the habit of what is your habit? Is your habit to show up? Is your habit to give? Is your habit to be there? Is your habit to lift up other people with your smile and with your energy and with your encouragement? That's where our habit ought to be. And not only on Sundays, but also at midweek, also at our family groups. We just need to show up and be there. Consistency. Consistency is a big part of that. So how consistent are we in meeting together? And I was, I'll close out with a couple more points. And th this is about Again, just this idea of us, um, God's not finished with us yet. Sometimes we stumble. All of us at times, we stumble. It's not a matter of when we're going to stumble, it's a matter, or if it's when. We're going to stumble at some point. But when that happens, we begin again. We start over. And that's one of the beautiful things about being in Christ, in Jesus, is he forgives. He forgives, and he gives us a fresh start. Paul said, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. There, none of us are perfect. There are no perfect Christians. Um, we all stumble, and the key to growth is when we stumble, we pick ourselves back up, and we just kind of bathe ourselves in the grace of God, and because God will give us that grace, and we start over. Thomas Kelly says, if you slip and stumble and forget God for an hour, 
and assert your old proud self and rely upon your own clever wisdom, don't spend too much time in anguished regrets and self-accusations, but begin again where you are. And that's great advice. Well, don't beat yourself up too much and too long over that. Just start over because that's what Christ wants. He wants us to start over. And so the, the point of this lesson is, is that spiritual maturity can happen and it ought to be our goal. And just like these plants growing because the conditions are there for them to grow, God has put every condition in our life for us to grow. It's a matter now of us deciding I'm going to live in Christ and I'm going to be in Christ. Christ is going to be the center of my life. And, you know, we really can't overemphasize that. Spirituality must be intentional. Spiritual growth has to be something you set your mind to. And living in Jesus and living like Jesus has to be our priority in life. So wherever you are on your spiritual journey, wherever you might be in this goal of spiritual maturity, I want to encourage you, press on. Press on to this goal of becoming spiritually mature in Christ. Focus on Jesus. Celebrate the fact that God is not finished with any of us yet. God is not finished with us as a community yet. And let's press on to the goal of becoming more and more like Christ. We're going to stand and we're going to sing one more song and then we will be dismissed.